Well, good morning. It's uh, good to be here. As Daniel said, uh, I've known Daniel for, I don't know, five, six years. I, I don't remember. I did um, probably when we started to started to get to know each other uh, the most was um, I went to a, a preaching class at Daniel's house probably, it's been four or five years ago. Um, and that was that was really good, and I think that was probably... Uh, one of the one of the times in my life that I think you know preaching the word really kind of uh, there was there was a, a passion for that um, that that was lit uh, in my in my heart. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot I guess I could say about um, Daniel wondered about giving just a little snapshot of of our life and what's going on um yeah so we moved to Cumberland probably a year and a half ago uh just uh a desire to be involved in in some ministry of some sort um I know that me and my wife have felt called to to something um but yeah there was there's not necessarily a a specific call just what we feel in our hearts and uh so yeah, a long story short, we've ended up at Mountain City and uh, are living um, relatively close to Second Baptist. And so we have, um, yeah, future, we don't know what the Lord will lead us to, but um, yeah, it, it could be uh, some form of, of ministry at Second or just being involved at Second. Uh, so, yeah, and Daniel mentioned Southern. I... I'm planning, Lord willing, to to start uh, to start studying there online uh, next fall. Um, so, yes, Lord willing, that will happen, and I'm I'm praying praying that that will happen. Um, so, yeah, we would appreciate your prayers. I know that you're just like, who's this guy? But uh, yeah, if you think about us, you can pray for us uh, that God would continue to lead us uh, and. It's just, I just want to give give the Lord credit. I mean, the grace that He has bestowed upon us um, is is immeasurable, um, and so um, glory, the glory goes to Him, and uh, we're just we just want to walk forward in worship of Him. Um, so as Daniel mentioned uh the text that i'm going to be preaching from this morning is uh from john 1 and uh this is you know advent season time when we are considering uh jesus birth and his coming to earth and so uh, this passage um i'm i'm going to be reading verse 1 to 18 but it's definitely not a full treatment of all 18 verses, um, but we're just going to be kind of picking up on some of the, the highlights um, in these verses, and, and my prayer for us this morning is that we, would, that we would see Jesus for who he is, and um, maybe at the end uh, we'll be able to, to have a fuller picture of just who we are celebrating uh, the birth of. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to pray for us before we begin, 
And then uh, I'll read the passage. Lord, we, we come to you this morning and we uh, just pray for your spirit to be present. We pray that uh, you would uh, calm my nerves, give me uh, the words to speak. Uh, may they be your words. May your spirit uh, speak through me. May I just merely be an instrument in your hands. Pray for the, the people that are listening. I pray that, um, that our hearts would be drawn to you, that we would see your glory in Christ, see your glory in the, in the baby in the manger, and that we would leave here worshiping you and go from here uh, with a fuller, maybe a fuller picture of, of um, the Christmas story. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm just going to read uh, the first 18 verses, and then, um, and then we'll go from there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was, bef because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So, our scripture reading uh, was in Genesis 1. Genesis uh, 1, 1 through 3. And... Those verses sound a lot alike, um, very similar to, to what we have here in, in the beginning of this, uh, of this gospel. In the beginning was the Word. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. So they're very, they're very similar. Um, and I think, you know, Genesis 1, we, we tend to, to brush right over that as if it's just common uh, we know we know that that verse um, very well, but I think if if you stop and you and you look at that verse, there's a lot in there. Um, 
In the beginning, God. God was present in the beginning. Um, he has no origin. Um, our minds can't comprehend that. If you really stop and think about it, our minds cannot compre- comprehend that. All we know is, is beginnings, right? Um, Daniel just welcomed um, his, his baby girl. She has a beginning to life. We just welcomed um, our son about a month ago. And so we only know beginnings. We begin this, we begin that, we begin a new job, we begin whatever. But with God, there is no beginning. He was in the beginning. He was there. And so I think, I think it's, it's important for us to, to, to worship when we read that. God, you are infinite. You are eternal. And, and so when we come to John, the Gospel of John, I think John is trying to point us back to that time. Back to, to Genesis 1. And he's attributing to the Word all that God was, all that God is. In the beginning was the Word. Time has no hold on the Word. He stands outside of time. He's not created. And we obviously know that that the Word is Jesus, right? Jesus himself makes makes claims to his eternal nature and uh, self-existence. If you look ahead in, in the Gospel of John, in John 8, you'll see um, Jesus locked in a conversation with the Jews when Abraham, the father Abraham, makes it into the discussion. And then in, verse, in verses 57 through 58, um, the conversation comes to a, a screeching halt with the Jews... Um, <laughs> with stones in hand, ready to stone him. And, you know, the question is, you know, you, you hear this so often in, in different religions, and it, who do people think that Jesus is? Some say he's a good teacher. Some say that um, whatever, whatever it might be. But they make him out, many religions make him out to be less than God. But Jesus never made that claim that he was less than God. He always claimed he was. If you look in these verses, they say, you are not, sorry, the Jews asked him, uh, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So you'll, you know, you remember that this was the name that, that God told Moses. Moses said, what do I tell the people in, in Egypt? Who do I say sent me? And he says, tell them, I am sent you. I am who I am. This name is, is, is very sacred in the Jewish tradition. And, um, you know, it... it, it describes a being that that 
nothing lays claim to the reason why he exists. <laughs> nothing can say, I'm the reason why God exists. Nothing can do that. He exists because he exists. He is who he is because that's who he is. Nothing outside of him created him. This is what the Jewish people knew to be true about Yahweh. They knew themselves to be dependent on Yahweh's all-sufficiency. And then in John 8, Jesus lays claim to this name. Before Abraham was, I am. So, you know, you can picture it, right? That here stands Jesus, the carpenter from Nazareth. And the Jews could have told you, you know, his father was Joseph and traced his family lineage. And he's claiming to be the great I am. He's claiming that name. So you can kind of understand, right, why the Jews wanted to stone him. So this notion that Jesus is anything else other than God is false. He is self-existent and he stands outside of time. And as you go through John 1, the first three verses, you can kind of feel uh, the writer, John's, uh, he's kind of at pangs to, to describe uh, just who Jesus is, you can kind of maybe sense that he's um, knows that there'll be some ob- objections to what he's saying. Uh, he describes the word as being with God, and and he was God. So he's with God. He is distinct from the Father, and yet he is God. <laughs> He is of the same essence as God. And, and, and we, can, we can see even, even more uh, about this, uh, Jesus making these claims in chapter 10 of John's Gospel. The Jews again wanted to stone him. Why? Because he made the statement that I and the Father are one. They picked up stones to throw at him again. And, and the, the indictment on Jesus is that, and this is what the Jews said, you, being a man, make yourself God. That's what they told him. He says, I and the Father are one. So the Jews, yes, they were blind, but they knew who Jesus was claiming to be. They were at least honest thinkers, right? They knew that Jesus was claiming to be God. The Jews didn't pick up stones to throw at Jesus because he was you know, a miracle worker or a good teacher. Verse 32 tells us that the Jews tell Jesus it wasn't because of good works that they wanted to stone him but because he made himself out to be God. That's who you worship. You worship 
Christ, who is fully God. He stands outside of time. He has complete deity. And and as we go further into John, uh, verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So he's creator. (laughs) Through him was created all things, John tells us. Colossians uh, 1, this was also our, our scripture reading. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So there's no existence outside of Jesus. Paul doesn't leave any any room for that notion. Paul says that through Jesus, all things were created, and they were created for him. So not only is Jesus our creator, we were created through him, but he's also the end to which everything is going. He's the first and the last. He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He stands at the beginning of time, and he stands at the end of time. He stands outside of time. And, and in our culture around us, uh, <clears throat> and it's easy for it to creep into our thinking in, here in the church as well, is um, just to have Jesus in this, in this nice manger as uh, just this little boy, uh, and you know, he's so cute and stuff. And that's, that's fine, that's good, like that is, that is, where Jesus came. He was a helpless babe in a manger. The song, I, I forget exactly what the words said in Christ alone, but fullness of God in helpless babe. Think of those two things. Fullness of God in a helpless babe. We just welcomed our son Elias. And, and so you you think about the contrast between between our son and and Jesus our son is is a created being he was created in the sovereignty of god in god's purposes um he didn't he didn't inform god hey i want to i want to be created could you make me god created him he is a created being he will always be what god tells him he is What's the difference between him and, and Jesus? Jesus is the eternal one taking on the confines of time. In Jesus, we see the creator taking on the form of his creation. We see the sustainer of life taking on a form 
that caused him to be utterly dependent upon his parents. This baby, as Isaiah prophesied, would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's a lot for a baby to, to bear. But it fit. <laughs> it fit who he was. So that's... Uh, sorry, I, I was going to say I'm making three points here. Uh, I, I just became a member at Mountain City. Uh, I didn't grow up Baptist, but I figured as a as you know, newly Baptist person or a preacher or whatever, I, I need to have three points, right? So... Um, yeah, that the first point is just simply Jesus as the self-existent one, the eternal one. Uh, the second point, Jesus, the life of light. And then our third point that we'll consider is Jesus, the word, and light takes on flesh. So the second point, Jesus, the life of light. If you go down into verse 4, it says, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So it says, in him, in Jesus, was life. And, and you know, it's easy, and, and we can do this subconsciously, is, is look at a statement like that and, and say, hmm, well, I have life. What's the big deal? Um, it says Jesus has life in him. Well, I, I have life. I'm reading this, this word. Um, and we can kind of say, big deal. But I think what, what we can be blind to sometimes, or in that, is we ignore statements like Hebrews 1.3 says, He, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. So he is literally upholding the universe by the word of his power. Colossians 1.17 says, In him all things hold together. So what we're blind to, oftentimes, is that our life holds together because Christ, Jesus, is upholding us by the word of his power. He is sustaining the world by his power. You and I do not have breath outside of Christ's sustaining power. This is who Jesus is. So how is Jesus' life the light of men? <clears throat> now, I believe that it's you know, in, this, in this that we will continue to see the sheer weight of the life of Jesus and just who it is that we celebrate when we celebrate his birth. In Genesis 1, we, we saw that God spoke and there was light. In Genesis 1, we are, we're dealing with light that we can perceive with our eyes. He created the day. 
He, he spoke light into the darkness that hovered over the face of the earth. God spoke and created through Christ the light of day that we experience on an everyday basis. But is, is this the light that, that John's referring to here? I don't, I don't think so. This is not, Jesus' life was not the physical light that we see. I think John is referring to a, a spiritual light that has shone into the darkness. And this, because this is coming from the life of Jesus, right? The life of Jesus is this light. In his commentary on John 1.4, John Gill says, and I don't know if that's up, if we can get, there we go, perfect. There was life in the word with respect to himself, a divine life, the same, the same with the life of the Father and of the Spirit, and is in him not by gift, nor by derivation or communication, but originally and independently and from all eternity. So, the life that is in Jesus is the same life that is within the Father and the Spirit. They're one. They are united in everything in their life and Jesus didn't get this some people believe that Jesus was actually uh, had a beginning he was a created being but this is false he, he is one with the father he shares the same nature um, with the father and so this is this is a spiritual life being referred to here in John it's the same life that is present in the Father and the Spirit. And I think to understand maybe, uh, maybe we have to contrast some of the darkness that was, was shown into. Um, if, we look, if we look at verse 10, down in verse 10 in, in this chapter, it says, He was in the world, this is Jesus, Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And at first glance, that can sound innocent, right? Well, they just didn't know him. But if we go on to, to and you think about that, that's, that's kind of harsh, right? The creator comes to his creatures, and they don't know him. Who, who's this guy? Sounds innocent, maybe, but John 3.19 gives us a, a much less innocent picture about this darkness. John 3.19 says, This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. That's a much less innocent picture that we get. This darkness is, is a, a, an evil darkness. It's, it's within us. It's, it's something that 
It's, it's a moral darkness. It's, it's a deadness, right? So the reason people don't know Jesus is because his life is light and people love darkness rather than light because of their evil deeds. The darkness is the dead and evil deeds of sin that all humanity has taken part in. Men are dead in their trespasses and sins. This refers to a spiritual deadness. There's darkness, there's deadness. There's hatred for God. This is something that that every last one of us has been a part of at one point or another. And by the grace of God, for those of us who are believers, we've been brought to the light. What is that light? Jesus' life is that light. It displays the glory of God to us. And he displays it in a human form. Jesus' life is light because he is the image of the invisible God, as it says in Colossians 1.15. Jesus' life is light because he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The exact imprint of his nature. So you have humanity who hates God, who does everything against God. And then you have Jesus, who is the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus' life displays the worth and glory of the Father perfectly. Jesus' life displayed the worth and glory of the Father in a world that in darkness didn't know the Father. You might remember John, in John 14 when Philip asks Jesus or makes this statement. John 14, 8-10, Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? This, This interaction with Philip... Uh, might hit a little closer home to us than what we, than what we think. Um, Jesus' response to Philip sounds a little simplistic, a little rhetorical. Um, he says, have, have you been with me so long and, and you still don't know me? It's a response like that that we kind of like, oh boy, uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't ask that question. Um, <laughs> I, I like I like how Alistair Begg refers to to Philip. 
<laughs> he says something like, you know, Philip was, was the student that asked the dumb questions and made the dumb statements that the rest of the, of the class was too afraid to verbalize. I think this is true. I think, I think if you think about it, um, we do this with Jesus and the Father. Um, you know, we, we wonder sometimes, how, how can we reconcile the God of the, the Old Testament with, with the love displayed by Jesus? And in doing so, we can subconsciously, maybe, tear the two apart to where they're, they're opposing, almost. You know, some people are, are happy to accept the idea of Jesus coming to save them but they're a little suspicious about the motives of the angry father. Jesus left no room for any of that. Jesus shows us exactly who the father is. He sheds light on who the father is. And this, this leads us into to the last point, um, and it's, it's the shortest. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes this, this can seem foreign to a lot of people. Um, and all that we've considered, Jesus being eternal, um, having full deity, uh, creating through him the worlds were created, this can sound foreign to a lot of people. Many people have Jesus just pegged as an innocent baby wrapped in a blanket in a nativity scene. And while it's proper and good for us to consider Jesus in that state, we must know who we are considering. Who it is that is in that manger. Some of you, you know, may think that that all that we've considered so far makes the Christmas story just a little bit more bland or dampens it a little. I think it only enhances it. That the eternal word, the self-existence of Jesus, the truth that in Jesus, everything holds together. The fact that Jesus and the Father are inseparable, I think only enhances what it is that we celebrate during this time of year. If you go down into verses uh, 14 and 16... I'm just going to read them. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jumping down to verse 16, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Those words, fullness and full, what... what what do they mean? You know, it matters a great deal who this baby is that's in the manger. 
if we if we think about these words fullness and fool, I, I just my mind ran to Colossians again. Colossians two nine says, For in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Some translations say the Godhead, the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. So in Jesus dwells God. He is God in the flesh. And then Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says this, In him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God was pleased to dwell in Christ. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So if the baby laying in the manger is not the eternal, self-existent word and light and God himself, then we still have a problem. We have no adequate mediator to bring us to God. We still have sins that we need to atone for. If God himself has not come to ransom us, then we are still left floundering in the darkness. However, this is the good news of Christmas. The verses in Colossians make it clear that all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. And he became flesh. It's from this fullness that we have received grace upon grace. This is the most precious truth that sets Christianity apart from any other religion. All other religions are a religion of how do I get to God? How do I work up enough merit to get to God? This is not the message of Christianity. This is not the message of Christ. The message of Christianity, the message of Christ is God has come to man. And this Christmas we we celebrate his birth. We celebrate him being a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So I just want us to, to, yeah, to ponder that this week as you go from here. Ponder who it is that you're celebrating. I just want to pray for us before, we, uh, before I go back to my seat and hand it over to Daniel, I guess. Dear Lord, we uh, thank you for this time that, uh, that we were able to have uh, this morning just looking into your word. And Father, I just I pray that your spirit would um, empower your word. I pray that your spirit would go with the, um, the believers here as they go out into this next week. Father, I pray that you would empower them for their, for their work. And uh, 
that, that we would all, as a, as a body of believers in Christ, um, worship you for what you have done in your Son, for coming to us, that you sent us, Emmanuel, God with us, that you dwell, dwelt among us, and that by your Spirit you continue to work in the hearts of, of all of your children. And so, Father, I just pray that you would empower us by your Spirit for this upcoming week. I pray that we would walk forward in the light of your Word, in the light that Christ has shed forth by his life. I just pray a, a blessing over Daniel as well as he leads this church. Father, I pray that this church would flourish. pray that you would uh, embolden the saints here in Kaiser. I pray that um, the light of, of the life of Christ would be displayed through, um, through the saints here in this church. We pray all this in your Son's name. Amen.